you can have a chemistry degree. I'll give you my certificates and stuff to get you up to speed. But are you going to love the guests? Are you going to realize why we exist? Are you going to put your pouty face away so that you can smile at the next kid in line on the ride waiting and make that's their experiences right there in front of you. Not what you just ate for lunch, not, you know, the fight you had with your girlfriend or boyfriend. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, I will preach that till the day I die. Yeah, you have to have that innate desire to take care of other humans. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically, Josh. How are you? Ah, doing great. I'm feeling hospitable today, but I have a question for you first. You bet. All right. Remind me what your degree is in. <laughs> Audio engineering. Well, that's, that's why this podcast sounds so great. All because of that. <laughs> question well, about that yes. is everything that you learned while you were studying audio engineering, uh, A, do you remember all of it? And B, has there been any uh, advancements, maybe, I don't know, maybe in technology of audio engineering since then uh, that would make it even more relevant to like revisit it in some way, even though you've got the diploma on the wall? So if I remember the questions, yes, <laughs> I do remember a lot of it. Um, and I think because I used it a lot, even after my my graduation and my degree, I used a lot of that information. And even now um, at my home here in North Carolina, I've just redone a room where I've, I've purchased some equipment where I'm using that, that information, that knowledge that I had from a recording standpoint. Um, so I'm, I'm still using some of that kind of the sound principles and, you know, how, how signal goes from a microphone out to speaker. So all that kind of stuff I, I, I'm remembering and bringing back, but the second part of that question, has there been technolo technological advances? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, it seems like there's always something new uh, coming out. So would it be beneficial for me to go back or, you know, try to learn some of that new um, new equipment, new technology to even enhance what I want to do from, from the audio engineering standpoint? Yes, it would. Absolutely. Um, but what I think is really interesting is that what I do know is a great foundation. And I think that actually kind of ties into what we're talking about here today with our guest, Dr. Peter Ricci, because the foundation of his um, life, the foundation of what he does is all about guest service. It's about culture. So many things are on top of that. So many things are new that kind of enhance that. But at the end of the day, it's still that, that base knowledge. So um, I hope that answers your question. It does. Yeah. And no, it's a really good point about the foundation as in like, it probably uh, increases your capacity to learn, well, what are the newest developments in, in audio engineering? I, so my degree is in hospitality, bachelor's and my master's degree in hospitality. And I remember 
I, you know, I, I graduated more than 10, almost 10 years ago uh, with my master's. And I remember in grad school, my marketing professor was talking about various marketing channels and, and kind of the best practices in marketing. And he specifically said, it's too early to talk about social media as a marketing channel because most people still think it's it's taboo. There's not a lot of resources on it. There's not much research on it. And it, But then he said, but watch this space because Facebook has more data on you than any marketing firm you know could ever supply. And it is worth so much. So this is gonna explode sometime in the future. I then graduated and well, turns out he was, he was right. So yes, yes. I don't know that much about social media marketing because I didn't learn about it at the graduate <laughs> level because it, it didn't quite exist yet. Uh, but you did mention our, our guest today, Dr. Peter Ricci uh, from Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida, uh, oversees the hospitality program at the university and is just a, a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of passion for the industry. And when you look at hospitality, a lot of people think hotels, restaurants, events, and you know he makes it very clear, the entire industry, the industry that we are in, attractions, amusement parks, zoos, museums, aquariums, we are all in the hospitality space. And we all need to possess that hospitality mentality when it comes to serving our guests and how that ties directly back to the business. There's got to be some mashup of hospitality and mentality. We'll work on that. Um, but one of the thing I, things I think is really interesting. I own the domain. <laughs> one of the things I think is really, really interesting and, and quite frankly ties into the things that you and I talk about quite a bit is, as Peter talked about so many of the places that he went into either help or fix in terms of hotel properties and that type of thing is he said, I would start with a culture first. Right. And so often an investor wants to see the, re the return on revenue. Right. How much money are you making? You know, how many how many, you know, uh, guests are you having coming in? And they're, they're looking at those measurables. But what he found and again, not surprising to us, is that when you focused on the culture, when you focused on how the, the team were treating each other and how they were treating the guests, then the money followed. And it's really interesting to hear him sort of lay out that whole strategy and how he did that. Yeah, no, it's it's so fascinating how, how he does that and his focus on culture. And uh, he he says that he's known as the, the guy who comes up with a lot of crazy ideas too. So whether it's creative ways to improve service, improve culture, or one of the things that he's very well known for, particularly if you're on LinkedIn and you're in this industry and uh, you were looking around during the pandemic and staying in touch with your network, you may have seen his name pop into your newsfeed uh, for offering FAU's hospitality certificate for free, completely virtual. And uh, his goal, he said, yeah, we were hoping to get maybe 500 people to enroll in it. They ended up getting more than 70,000 people to sign up for it. So that is... A crazy idea that thankfully they embraced and implemented, and the benefits from that uh, have just uh, continued to cascade into today. And we get to hear all about how I, how they came up with that idea, how it was implemented, and then the long-term benefits from it as well. So what do you say? Should we go ahead and jump into this interview with Peter? Let's do it. Peter Ricci, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. We're really looking forward to our conversation today. How are you? Excellent. Uh, another day in paradise in Boca Raton. So uh, 
Yeah, everything's good. Nice to meet see you too. Uh, I enjoyed Florida Attractions Association Conference a great deal. I got to meet a whole whole bunch of people I hadn't seen in years or meet for the first time. It's just a great good stuff. Yeah. So thanks thanks for inviting me to this. I really like these things. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We're, uh, we also enjoyed seeing you uh, at the Florida Attractions uh, Association Conference where, where we recorded our 250th episode, which uh, was now, what, six episodes ago at this point. And uh, now we're excited to talk about all things all things hospitality. So I, tell, us, tell us about yourself. Tell us about what you do. Well, uh, my day job, I run the hospitality and tourism management program here at, at Florida Atlantic University. I'll, um, I'll put my LinkedIn stuff in the chat for anybody for later. You can reach out whenever. I've been in um, the hospitality business my whole life since I was 14 years old. Uh, started as a dishwasher. Uh, wound up along the way in just a bunch of different places. Um, DMO, destination marketing, hotels for the biggest chunk restaurants all of my early years and of course attractions was a, a super vital part because at one stop I managed a Disney Good Neighbor Hotel when they only had about I don't know 8,000 rooms on property something very small so our hotel filled every day with Disney and guests and we had to operate according to Disney standards and hire uh, according to Disney's protocol so it was almost as if I worked at Disney during that part. And then one of my really large Holiday Inn properties was a super blast to manage. It had a water park within it, very small, but it was the uh, equivalent good neighbor hotel of Bush Gardens. So we were less than a mile and we had 12 shuttle vans, you know, 800 rooms almost, was chaos every day of fun. And it was the best place to work in the Tampa market, because when we'd have a client and we were negotiating a contract in the midst of it, we'd say, oh, wait, we'd call Bush Gardens. They'd let us in the back. We'd take them for a ride on Montu, calm them down, get them excited and go back to the hotel. So, so attractions, you know, growing up here, um, it, it's just been a part of my life. I still have my Lion Country Safari photo of me about, I don't know, five years old and then six years old and then seven years old going all the time and the sign says beware of trespassers you'll be eaten and I you know attractions are a big part of my life but I I see tourism as a very vast industry because that's kind of how I was raised in the state of Florida I, I you know I've lived here 46 years or something like that and the tourism industry was brought to me very young in high school. Um, it stuck with me in college. My mentors have worked in all pieces of the business, you know, airline, cruise line, instead of travel. So, and then when I studied tourism at University of Florida, we approached it as leisure, parks, recreation, tourism, very broad. So I've, I may have been a hotelier for 10 years, as my largest chunk, but I always see the business as everything because it's the visitors doing everything while while they're coming to your attraction or staying at your hotel or you know riding on your airplane to get there. Whatever it is, it's a it's an experience. So that's kind of my background. My you know my whole life uh, keep maintaining permanent residence in Florida while I've lived all over the place and really being very proud of our, our state's tourism position. It's been the number one private sector industry most of my life. When I was a kid, it was probably agriculture and oranges, and it shifted along the way. 
And so I, um, I'm very vocal about being pro-tourism and understanding its benefits. And I'm all about sustainability and making sure that 50 years from now, we'll still have a great destination. So I blend all of that in my teaching. It's, it's hard. I love guest service. I love hotel ops. I love destination marketing. I have a very strange mixed background. So I just kind of call it tourism. <laughs> but I would imagine that that well-rounded background helps you when you, as you're teaching your students, which we definitely want to get into. But I also want to back up just for a second and kind of understand what is it about this industry, whether it's tourism or hospitality or attractions, what is it that really has attracted you and has kept you going for all these years? You know, I, I attribute it all to the spark I got as a teenager. Um, I had we had an announcement in my high school that a local restaurant was looking for part time work. Uh, my dad was tired of me asking for money, so I got a dishwasher job. And two months in, I got promoted to busser, and then nine months in, got promoted to server. And it was literally the mentor I had. You know, this was in the 1980s when fine dining was still very formal. So he, his name was John Carlone. He passed away recently, but he was in the business his whole life. And in that time, he owned all of the top restaurants in Broward County. He owned about seven restaurants, all fine dining. So I was taught from a young age, um, proper etiquette, respect, uh, care for your guests, because without them, you don't get a paycheck. Every time we get we received a paycheck, he would go through the financials with the bus boys. And we had one bus girl and would say, you're all paid $4 an hour plus tips. You're able to buy cars in high school and have this fantastic lifestyle because you work in fine dining. But it's all because of that lady, that gentleman, the one who complained about the iced tea. And that just stuck with me as a teenager. So... Um, you know, and he became a self-made millionaire by the time he was 35, which to a teenager is dazzling, you know, and um, I learned from him, you know, what really sparked it was when I was getting ready to go away to college, um, I got accepted to the University of Florida, and I didn't know much about college because my parents never went beyond the eighth grade. So I found hospitality as a way for me to move up in the world and have fun at the same time. But John was like, don't go away to Gainesville, stay here and go to Broward College because I want you to work for me in the restaurants. And I said, no, I wanna explore something, but I promise you, I'll come home and work for you in the summer. And he said, if you do, I'll pay for your high school graduation party, then you'll own me the first summer. And then if you come back, I'll pay for your classes at Broward College. So years ago, way before I could ever imagine that I would someday be a teacher, I saw an industry person taking care of his guests and his employees to the same extent. And I realized that that was my nature. And one day my mom pulled me aside and said, you know, it's no surprise to us that you, um, you want to go to law school because you're bright enough. But that's not what we see you doing, your dad and I. You're always holding the door for people. You're always planning events for everybody up and down the block. You're the first one to help an old lady who can't cross the street. So just go with your gut. And I was like, no, you know, you don't listen to your mom. You definitely don't <laughs> listen to your dad or mom as a teenager. So I went to Gainesville. I got into law school three times with full scholarships. And I went once and hated the first semester and dropped out. So 
my mom and John Carlone everybody else was right but yes, I hope there's no students watching because you don't listen to your parents and I get it I don't listen, <laughs> you don't listen to me either but you got to figure it out for yourself but I guess that spark to answer your question was somewhere instilled by this guy's passion his commitment to excellence my love of people without knowing that was a love and then seeing him as not only someone who's very caring and good at running restaurants, but somebody who could become financially sound, which I didn't have in my lifetime. So it was a way for me to kind of move down a pathway. And when I look back, it's really kind of cool because at that time, all I wanted was money to buy a car. Um, there was a senior trip to Spain. I wanted to go on the trip and my dad wouldn't even have the money, so I had to work for it. So all I wanted was a job, but it turned into, you know, a lifetime career. I'm 57, so it's it's my whole life, my whole life. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating story. Thanks so much for sharing that. I, and the way that you describe uh, what you love about hospitality, you talk about proper etiquette, you talk about, you know, you were the one who's always holding the door, right? And the commitment to, uh, to caring for your guests, for your employees, I, these are all the, the warm, fuzzy things about hospitality that, that a lot of people love. Do you find that sometimes it's difficult to convince people that that's a business model as well? Sometimes people just leave it as, as it's warm and fuzzy, but maybe, maybe it's an afterthought. Maybe we do this when we can. We got to make sure that you know, restaurants open on time and the you know, food is hot, you know, whatever it is. I, do you find that sometimes it's, that that can be difficult to say, no, this needs to be a, a core part of the business? It's extremely difficult. I mean, look at the private equity firms that are behind restaurants, attractions, and hotels these days. It's all about efficiencies. And we forget that without guests buying a ticket or buying a seat on my Amtrak train, we're not going to have any revenues. So if we irritate them, we don't treat them right, that's the baseline. So when I managed hotels, um, it took a lot of persuasion to get me out of the hotel business. For some reason, that wound up being the most fun chunk for me. And it wound up being the, the craziest. And I can equate it to my friends who work in attractions. Like we thrive on chaotic days and the guest rowdiness. And it, it's just, I relate best to my friends who work in attractions and cruise lines and airlines because of our operational chaos. But when I, what happened along the way is I started making a hotel better. Then they asked me to open a new one. Then six months later to fire GM and take over another one, then go to another one. So I moved 21 times in about 12 years to open new hotels or fix broken ones. And what I would do is go in and fix the culture first, and then the money would flow through. And then I become a hero. And just when I was loving everybody I was working with, they boot me out to the next project, which was fine because that became my role. But what I learned, and I've had plenty of arguments with uh, regional VPs before I became one, because we might have a budget line for 3000 for employee relations for the month and I'd triple it and get my wrist slapped. And then I'd say, well, we were 78,000 above in profit. So just move it over. And it would always shut up the room, you know, and it took that incessant gnawing guest service to profitability mantra that I've always maintained. Um, and again, looking backward, 
it's transcended everything because of my first mentor. I mean, I'm always responsive on emails. I make sure I check my communication. If somebody has a question, I answer it. I think that's an innate talent. And so I search for that among students to kind of pull them out and hope they'll at least listen that, hey, you're destined probably for hospitality. You know, hospitality gets a bad rap. We're open every day. Historically, we've never paid well. Um, you work a lot of hours. I live in Boca Raton, one of the most demanding cities in the state of Florida for affluence and demanding guests and club members and so on. But it's a passion. And if you have that passion, you can make the business so profitable. So, um, you know, yes, it's a mantra. Unfortunately, there's not enough on the scientific academic side. There are not a sufficient number of studies that show direct point-to-point -point return on investment with infusion of guest service. There's too many variables in the air. Could it be your specific location? Could it be the personality of Joshua? Could it be that Matt smiles more than the GM down the road? There's so many variables, but there is definitely a correlation between excellence and guest service, repeat business, less spending on marketing. And there's several studies on all those areas. But to me, it just comes innately. Um, I can walk into a hotel or restaurant today and within five minutes know what the feel is of the culture. And I always test myself and will pull some associates aside and ask what's going on, how's this, how's that? And I'd say eight times out of 10, I'm right on the mark, maybe nine times out of 10, I'm on the right direction. But it's a feeling, it's almost like an intuition. And I don't know if, you know, that's from upbringing or whatever, but I had a very gracious mom who worked as a bank teller who told me if you work at 9 a.m., you will be there at 8.55 a.m. unless it's an emergency. You may have a, a bank person who's very irritated that day because they're cashing out the last money in their CD because their daughter get, blew it away in Vegas and they're mad at you, but you smile. And so that in the house, that at work at Carlone's, having great teachers in my life, um, I just tried to approach it in a positive way, you know? I don't know. I, I tend to ramble because I love this business. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We, we love to hear it. We love to hear it. You know, there's there's so many things I, I'd love to unpack in there. And I think the the one that that, that is most uh, on my mind right now is all the different people you're listing as an influence to your career. You've talked about your mom and John Carlone and, you know, all these different people and all these different um, ways that you've learned things. And one of the things that correlates for me is thinking about training programs now at an attraction or a hotel. And so often those are the first things to get cut. You know, when, when you need to cut budget, you're cutting the training program and an eight hour orientation goes down to two hours. And you're wondering then why, you know, your, your hospitality isn't what it should be, or, you know, you're, you're cutting back on the follow-up or whatever. So what are things that you've seen uh, that can help sort of reverse that trend? You know what I mean? Like, like make the case for no, 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 we shouldn't be cutting back on the training because that's what's going to give you the culture uh, that you're really looking for. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, from Disney's traditions to Ritz-Carlton to JetBlue, everybody's gone for efficiencies because, efficiencies because of stock trade value. Like today, you know, here we are, July 27, 2022, all over the news was that Hilton exceeded expectations for the stock market. Great. 
but Hilton also laid off 150,000 workers during COVID and is slowly building it back. It's number one place to work. It's number one in many, many rating services and so on. But without good service, I wouldn't stay at a Hilton brand. You know, I love Chris Lucetta. He spent time an hour with me for one of my certificates to be interviewed. But if I go to a Hilton, I'm still going to expect service first and cleanliness. That has never changed. So I found myself shifting over the past decade in my own travel to independent properties, independent restaurants, and smaller attractions. The more mom and pop originated, designed, executed, managed, because they still value service in many cases to the extent that I'm looking for it. And I think um, some of the very luxury brands, the Mandarins, that, you know, again, the Ritz Carltons, the Four Seasons, they have cut so much even to their own detriment that the younger general managers, younger not only chronologically, but younger in the business, really have a harder time maintaining excellence than in the past. So I think these one-off scenarios of success are what will lead to hopefully a change. Um, and you cannot have an orientation and an occasional consultant training in this and think things are gonna work. You have to walk the talk and live the talk in your supervisors, your shift leads, your managers. And you know, one of the best examples I have came from an owner who wasn't very short-sighted and I applaud her for that. Um, it, I, I don't mean to bring up Hilton again, but it was a Hilton full service hotel in one of my 20 something hotels. And it was very, very low in the guest satisfaction ratings. I think it was say, say if there was, and I'm, and I'm this is not accurate, but say there was 250 Hilton's full service, they were 240th. It was something disastrous. And so I went to the owner and said, listen, you hired me on as a GM short term to fix it, but I'm going to hire an AGM who will replace me in six months. I'm going to pay him as a GM or her, and you're going to let me sit in a room for four hours a day doing nothing but training. And either everybody in this hotel will shift its culture or you can fire me and the management company and we'll move forward. It's like, all right. So she kind of took it like a bet. So for six months steady, I did nothing but training. Every associate in the building, every level from, you know, GM, the new GM, down to the newest hire, part-time van driver, dishwasher, whatever. We went up to, I'd say, 140th after a couple of months and then in the 70s. And then right before I left for the next project, we signed a major contract, contract with an airline crew. And this hotel was 20 miles from the airport, had never done crew business. I just wanted some baseline business. And the airline was so impressed with the service, they agreed to do the shuttle. Well, I go on my merry way to the next place. Um, now they're in the 30s for the first time ever. And I get a call that the brand has showed up on property like the QA police, because there were so many positive reviews coming from URLs on, in the building that they thought we had staged the entire scenario. What it was is that the flight crews had never stayed at a place they loved so much, and they were all reading us from the business center. So the URLs all went back to the business center. I got a huge apology. 
And it was like three days of, oh my God, did, did one of our staff do this? Is this, you know, and I, you know, that's why one of the reasons you don't have hair in this business because you pull it out regularly. But I was like, um, oh my God. And it wound up being that we just completely changed the culture. Not everybody went for the ride. I think we wound up terminating about 25% of the original crew, but we gave them the opportunity three, four, five sessions, you know, to step up and change the culture. So to me, that was one of my most um, enjoyable rides is because I had an owner who decided this will make my building more worthwhile. And sure enough, three years later, she sold it for about a $9 million profit. So it had moved up and made a financial return because without the finances, I'm talking to, you know, my cat when it comes when it comes to stock value. I think she listens better because they're just tuning you out. And stock value, yes, it's important, but we are in hospitality. We're not in commodities. I don't, you know, I want my uh, Boston stapler to work every time I staple and I want my highlighter to work. But we are in the people business. And, you know, without the experience and I, I'm sorry, I'm preaching to the choir. But that message needs to get out there. Um, and I don't think it's rocket science. It's commitment. It's innate desire to put your guests first. And it's understanding how the numbers work. I came from an owner who taught busboys how to read a profit and loss statement. That doesn't exist. Once I understood how the money flowed, then I could be a part of a team effort to make more money. And he was bright enough to share profits with everybody, especially if they worked a shift, then that shift or event was super successful. Everybody got a piece of his profits. Um, so, you know, whether it's encouraging your GMs with free stocks or, or your, you know, ride shift managers with an extra day off of PTO every month, if they hit certain metrics, it's gotta be a part of the culture. Otherwise it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't even, I mean, you can read a book every day and it won't matter if you, your boss doesn't care about good service. I mean, it's just how it is. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. So, so well said and just stressing the importance uh, of training and, uh, um, and that, that culture and really tying it back directly to the business of, of that hotel being sold at a, what'd you say, $9 million profit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just a, a perfect case study right there. I, so one of the things we definitely want to talk about, you briefly mentioned COVID, you briefly mentioned the, the certificate there. So I, I would love it if we can touch on that. At the beginning of the pandemic, I remember uh, just checking my LinkedIn feed every day and more and more people were sharing uh, their certificate with their network uh, with an immense amount of pride and an immense amount of gratitude uh, from FAU in hospitality and tourism management and that it was offered for free. And your name was tagged a thousand times, I think, probably. I would see it. And uh, and it was basically what is going on here yeah uh, everything was shut down and everyone uh you know everyone was just looking for a way to to stay involved i uh, so how did how did that come to be that offering the the certificate program for free I, I don't know if you noticed i still turn red in the face when people talk about this and today this is so funny today this came in the mail you can't see the post date, but it's today. It's the essential Cuban cookbook, which came from a certificate taker who just finished last week. So the love and outpouring is still going. Uh, and it's, 
I never knew what something went viral meant until I was in the thick of this. So the way it happened, and I'll try to be as short as I can. We we have an executive education certificate in hospitality and tourism management. We always have. We always taught it face-to-face. -face. We always have 50 companies that loyally send people every year. It's people with MBAs, people with a sixth grade education, people who are GMs, people who are brand new hourlies, everybody takes it just for some learning. And you know, you have your MBA, Joshua, you know, your master's in hospitality. After a while, you want to stay current. You got to keep going to school. So we try to update the content every year. So when January of 2020 came, all my employers, one of the things about this lifelong business is I have so many friends in the business who are now CEOs, leaders, they all want me to post their job openings. So they all started reaching out saying, what's going on with this coronavirus? Oh my God, I'm getting ready to lay off, et cetera. And I inside was like, holy crap, what are all these people gonna do when they don't have to go to the theme park? They don't have to go on the ship. They're gonna flip out being bored at home. The first 72 hours for all of you, yes, we love our families, but we, we work so much. We don't wanna be with you every day, every night. We miss our people, our family at the theme park or our family at the museum or, and so on. So I knew that this would be kind of a distraction. And so I went to the Dean, you know, people know me here for very silly and crazy ideas. It's not normal. And I said, hey, Dean Gropper, I would like to offer the certificate for free. As FAU, we pride ourselves on everything community. We're the most diverse university in the state university system. We're all about community, et cetera. Oh my God, that's a great idea, run with it. So he asked the provost, which is kind of the academic leader in university. Oh my God, what a great idea Peter has, go with it. So we, I went to executive education where we normally offer it and said, how about we record this and we put it online. And instead of 30 or 40 hours of content, let's do a mini version of 15 hours. Now remind you, everybody was already off campus, nobody to do tech. So we had to go into empty rooms with the masks, have them sanitize the stations, find guest speakers. I reached out to probably a hundred people and I did not have a LinkedIn account. I didn't even know what social media was. I had Facebook only. So I was making calls, doing emails and somebody's like, hey, you bozo, why don't you open a LinkedIn account? I'm like, uh, I don't need it. I'm looking for a job. That's what I thought it was for. Long story short, we expected, we normally have about 100 a year. So we expected, okay, let's plan for 500. We're gonna do it live synchronous, which means, I didn't know what that meant, but that meant I would stand in front of you. I could converse with you. I would just be not in the same geographic location as you. Within about three days, we were getting calls all over the university, emails. I had at one point 37,000 emails in a 24 hour period. And so we knew something had exploded. We didn't know what. And I said, there's no way we can do this synchronous. So as we were purchasing IT storage space, and as I was creating a LinkedIn account and people were emailing me and calling me, I was rolling out the certificate. And it just became in a tremendous wave. I mean, our university only has 30,000 plus students. And I think we finished with 66,000 and change completers of which 77,000 had enrolled. And I asked everybody for a dollar to $10 donation at the end so we could pay for our IT storage space. 
Well, that mushroomed into many, many donations, many podcasts. And I'm like, well, let's take this love and keep it moving forward. So now we went back and we built the full version of our traditional certificate with all new content online and we roll it out every four months and we priced it it used to be 500 bucks now it's 199 thanks to donations and anybody who wants to come they can get a scholarship of the money we have left and then we continue to roll it forward so i've never seen anybody pay more than 199 and if you're lucky you get it for 149 and now the best part for me is that the ceos have been willing to interview you know, the presidents of hotel brands and, and I'm on this academy board and that board. It's been like a ballooning of my career like I've never seen in my life, but all through love and care for each other, you know? And, and silly me, I really thought, okay, this will help us for the four weeks of PTO and then they'll be back in. I mean, who knew? Here we are 22 July, you know, we're still dealing with COVID every week. And now, now monkeypox, you know? So, so the goal was keep you engaged because I know you're a hospitality person who really likes people and you're gonna go stir crazy. And that was the comments we always got, you know, to the point, I think we're over 2 million comments um, and we've only had eight negative. And of the eight, seven of them just wanted more content. Only once and eh, I didn't like it. So, so I'm like, all right, our, our batting record's pretty good, you know? So, but let me tell you, I wasn't prepared for it. And I'm, I'm still not, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for the amount of love. Um, people feel like they knew me personally. Um, you know, the number of emails, I have a faculty of 10 of us, I think, or nine of us total. We had to divide and conquer. One was doing voicemails and the voicemail was full as soon as they would clear it. One was helping me post LinkedIn messages and so on, you know, so overwhelming. The point is, I'm a fan of lifelong learning. I, it's kind of a funny joke that one of my students said, let me grab one of my cards, because I am, I try to be super humble. I mean, I come from parents that went to the sixth grade, so I'll never be an attitude obnoxious guy. It's just not me. But people look at my card and they're like, my God, you have, oh, it's not on my card. But you have so many certifications, CHA, CHRE. What are you so braggy about? I'm like, I do those so I can stay current. I can relate to an 18 year old or an 80 year old. And I still don't know what part of the business I wanna be in when I grow up. You know, if I were 18, I'd go back now, I'd try casinos a little bit. I definitely work in a theme park for a while. I love water rides. So I'd be somewhere stationed near the water ride or developing a water ride or riding it to test it. Um, I'd like to be at sea again. I spent a year at sea doing events. It's a fabulous part of my youth. Um, so I do all these certifications. And one of my students said last year, did a cat run across your keyboard or are those really your letters? And I, that just tickled me. So I say it every time I talk about them. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do another one this year. Let me tell you, they're a pain in the butt, a lot of work. You got to study, you got to pass the test. But it keeps me engaged in the business that I love. Why wouldn't I want to do that? You know. So did you? Did either of you do the certificate? I did not. Oh, you got to do it because yeah. you like it. Because yeah. we now what we're going to do is we've been asked to rotate the content every year or every year and a half because everybody has certifications that they want to keep current. 
And so we give you CEU credits, whether it's your certification through the Attractions Association, this or not. Well, that's now become the thing. And then everybody wants a piece of this side, that side. So the current one has from real estate development and how hotels are financed to champagne and wine to why would you work in a country club over a hotel to an interview with Darden Restaurants VP of Talent as what's going on in the world. So everybody walks away with something. And that's now my craziness is always finding that something, you know? <laughs> and from what it sounds like too, is that, you know, you said it's it's about keeping, keeping current. And even if you already have an educational background in hospitality, that it, it wouldn't be redundant to, to get that certificate. Because that was, that was kind of my thought process from the beginning is, oh, I've already, I've already studied this, you know, what, you know, uh, and what will I gain from it versus, you know, a, a number of other people who might have a degree in something Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Uh, but that, that right there is, uh, is the convincing. Yeah. Part. And I'm not going to age you, but if you're at a school with your master's one year, you already forgot stuff that's going on now. Yeah. You know, like there's a section in this one on artificial intelligence and all. I can't even understand what my faculty members talked about. So that's great because they're the expert on that. I'm the old school guy that's still all about guest service. So we all have our niche little things that we try to be expert on. But, you know, think of, I tried as I've gotten older and work in a business school to accept that what I teach is good service. I don't care if you're going to work in a retail store, grocery chain, uh, you're going to work for a law firm. We have veterinarians that recruit our students. So we have hardware stores. Today, I had um, a job posting from a gun club and River um, Forest River Yachting Club. And they want someone with a hospitality attitude. So we're in a business school. You know, you're going to get accounting, finance, a little business law, a little this or that. In the end, it's about your client. If you're going to be a financial planner, be the one who writes the best emails without errors and the first to respond to your client and don't lie to them. I'm all about honesty. That's one of my pillars since I was a kid. You know, that's why I did so well at hotel sales. When I was a GM, our DOS has landed every contract because I would not lie to the client. Yes, you know, you need, you need 2,000 square feet in that meeting. We don't have it. Let me recommend you to Joshua who has it across the street, mm -hmm. you know, or let me recommend it to George who has it down the block. Um, so I try to, to teach my students and even my faculty responsiveness and honesty. We are an academic institution, but we're in hospitality. If you email me, I want to get back to you within 24 hours, hopefully within an hour. But I don't, you know, I don't... Um, don't worry about hospitality specifically, because I don't know if you're going to wind up working for Brightline and be an onboard service person, or if you're going to work at SeaWorld. We have marine biology majors that work that graduated with us, studied hospitality as their minor, and they work at SeaWorld. And so you, you're going to go into service someday in your life, you know, whether it's a podcast. You guys yeah. probably respond to your your viewers, you know. Absolutely. 256 episodes, got to be doing something right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we've, we've just stuck with it. That's all it was. Um, but, you know, uh, Peter, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned, you know, kind of the artificial intelligence and lifelong learning. Um, I'm thinking back to some of the people that we've actually had on the, the podcast and they've started talking about things. And afterwards, I'm like, Josh, what were they talking about? Because like I just, you know, it was stuff that 
helped me learn new things. Correct. It's, it's just, a, it's a great way to the world, keep the it world fresh. is moving at such a pace and we're just a part of that global move. I mean, whether it's using technology for efficiencies and still providing the level of guest service that I'm holding on to from the eighties, or whether it's increasing your stock value by 30 cents by purchasing better using AI to be a crawler. I mean, these are things that someone who graduates from UCF, FIU, Cornell, FAU is going to need five years and less right out of school. So, um, so the world moves at a fast pace, but you're right. I can't be an expert on what drinks are going to be preferred at your attraction this year versus next year. What's the new ride fad? Um, that's why it's, it's lifelong education. Yeah. Uh, I just, I never stopped that. It's, it's hard, but I think it's a very necessary ingredient. And it's why even with seven herniated discs, I still smile. And when I have a bad back day, if you were in my hotel, you would not know it until I go in the back and go, ah, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you guys have been in the business. You understand it. You get it. Um, but finding that passion among the workforce is really kind of um, a big challenge now post-COVID. COVID opened us all to really no quality of lifetime. And there are so many positions in our industry that are not remote work from anywhere or remote work from home. So now the struggle is finding people who have the passion and energy and still want to do it. They will always be here. They will always be here. It's not, not that they we're losing them. It's just a shift in how we perceive. So my current focus for the next five years is encouraging the employer partners I work with to just be more flexible. You know, if flexibility for Josh is a four day, 10 hour work week, why can't you work on doing that? For Sue, if it's having daycare instead of medical insurance, how about a potpourri, you know, pick from here to choose. You still spend the same dollar amount per month, but let the employees pick what they want. Like, I, it, I, you know, one time I used to give out Target and Walmart cards to all the associates doing a good job. And one time, one of them said to me, I like pizza. Can't you buy me a Domino's card? And, said I, and I'm like, you know, you're a little cocky because you win every month. But yes, I can <laughs> buy you a Domino's card. You know, but that made it go in my head. Like, why have we always just offered medical and dental? How about letting them pick what they want? Maybe their spouse or significant other has medical from their employer and that 800 you spend on them a month would go much better to rent. You know, is it difficult on the HR side with benefits and keeping track? Yes. But is there a way to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a hotel in Fort Myers, Florida that has done phenomenally with that. They have a staff of about 68 and they have a buffet of you pick and every six months they have a meeting. Should we add something? Should we delete something? Who's not using what? You know, from pet care to uh, rent subsidy to partial car allowance, there's no reason we can't do that. Yet I'm gonna make you happier to work with Peter if I'm doing all these things for you and across the street says, no, we don't have that, you know, but we do offer you a dollar an hour more. Yeah. So we need some kind of hook that's meaningful um, look at John Carlone paying for my graduation party because my parents could afford it, couldn't afford it, paying for my Broward College in the summer because that was an enticement for you to have me work in the summer. And he made far more money by having me work all summer than not. So just be creative. 
um, I just very lucky that I had such a creative person way before we had um, ability to chat with thousands of people globally. Look how easy it is now to stir up creativity. You get on a yeah. team, Zoom, Google Meet, you peep people around the world and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's working, you know? Yeah. So. I, th I think it's and, interesting. And it's funny, my phone just rang. It said PGA Resort and Spa. That means they want to post jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's an incessant, <laughs> very few by phone, almost zero, but it's very, very every day hundreds every week thousands of job postings that i do out of a labor of love for my friends and colleagues in this business and it's gotten cumbersome but um you know josh i know you went to hospitality school matt did you study hospitality officially i think you told me business or something different i actually my degree is in audio engineering yeah remember being like <laughs> well, exceptionally so different but we have the passion that's yes. all you need you can have a chemistry degree I'll give you my certificates and stuff to get you up to speed. But are you going to love the guest? Are you going to realize why we exist? Are you going to put your pouty face away so that you can smile at the next kid in line on the ride waiting and make that's their experiences right there in front of you. Not what you just ate for lunch, not, you know, the fight you had with your girlfriend or boyfriend. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, I will preach that till the day I die. Yeah, you, know, sure. you have to have that innate desire to take care of other humans. And I think that goes back to something we talked about a little earlier, because that was developed, as you mentioned, your story was developed through a number of different people. And I would say, you know, looking back at my my history, the same thing, and Josh probably the same, that, you know, that came from being treated that way with a lot of hospitality. It came from other people mentoring uh, them. So like when you think about your students, what what advice do you give them so that they can get that kind of that kind of experience and and depth of of knowledge so that they can develop a passion if that's what, where they want to go maybe it's not maybe they decide no this really isn't for me correct well you know um they, there's plenty of assessments they take along the way you can see it in their demeanor. Um, are they here because they're enjoying it or they're here because it's a labor of, of duty? You know, and then the ones who will come to you and say, you know, you're, you always send us emails and have fun events. I don't get that from this teacher in accounting or from this one in whatever, archaeology. Why, why do you do that? Oh, because I like it. Did you read them? Yeah, I do. I want to go to the. So I try to inspire them. But we require so many thousand hours of work experience that if they do not like the Boca environment right away or South Florida or wherever they are, because we have students living in 150 plus countries, but wherever they are, if they get turned off right away, I ask them why. May, so maybe revenue management is for you instead of uh, front desk or maybe um, a catering sales because you're really into food and you like the decor or, you know, maybe you want to work in IT because you were in the back of the theme park and you saw how all the systems work and what you have to do when it fails and how you deal with a crisis. So I try to pick their brain a little bit and I remind them that tourism is a very big place. It has every type of person from a doctor working on a cruise ship to, you know, a programmer doing zeros and ones and writing code, you know, to, to someone who is the face of hospitality shaking your hand as you arrive into the lobby. So there is something for everyone. Um, you know, I 
I try to stay positive. I think a positive outcome of COVID is that we're finally seeing pay rates that our associates and leaders deserve. Uh, whether or not they're manageable is a fight among CEOs and shareholders, but I really think that was a necessary push because we've always had, oh, well, you have to work a lot of hours. Oh, you work day and night. Well, you know what? I like working night better. And I like doing my errands on a Monday. So for the industry, for those in the industry, sometimes our woes are really the best parts of what we do. So it's a matter of educating, you know, who we are in that, you know, I can't tell you how many majors we have in the business school, but somebody will come to me with international business or forensic accounting, and they'll challenge me to find a job in hospitality that matches their skill set. Because when I have an accounting major who gets a CPA and works at Royal Caribbean and is on LinkedIn posting how fun her vacations are because they're free, she just happens to do accounting in a cruise line. And another one will work at Universal Studios and say, look, uh, here I am in my in my fun car with my minions. And, you know, and it's just interesting that the light bulb will go on and say, oh, my God, it's just another part of business. So I focus on that with students, because at the student level, if you don't want to be a wedding planner, which is the old joke, they all want to be wedding planners. Um, they want to work in events or they want to work at a, at, a, at a theme park. Okay, well, do you want to work that? Do you want to work? So, all right, who are you? What do you like? And then let's find where Josh fits in the business and let's put Josh there. So that's what I try to do. There's assessments, there's career centers, mentoring, but you know, thanks to the world we live in now, there's information everywhere. So it's, it's a matter of sifting through it. I, if I don't see their positive energy, I would say that concerns me the most. And there's been a lot of checking out with COVID among all of us, whether we're passionate or not. Um, they you know, don't necessarily want to be back in the classroom. They don't necessarily want to be on Zoom either. Okay, so what do you want to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter, this has been just such a fascinating conversation. We're coming close to, uh, to the end of the interview, which... Uh, which makes me sad. I feel like we could we could easily <laughs> talk for hours into into a variety That's of topics. That's just your nice way of saying I ramble too much. But <laughs> no, no, not at all. That's hey, that that makes for. But the, I the must be an odd. Us, right? I have to be an odd duck in your group of people because I'm not attraction specific. But let me tell you, I could go kick butt in any theme park attraction, man-made or natural, when it comes to guest service. I can Absolutely. go turn around Murakami. I can go turn around a theme park. Uh, today I had job postings from the Florida Aquarium. And I'm like, you know, we're so far from Tampa. You do know there's five schools right there to recruit. I want to recruit from you. I like the certificate. So, okay, if I went to the aquarium, then how can I help you improve your service experience? I'm all about that first. Then the money will flow. Then the people will be happy and so on. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I actually have... Two really quick rapid fire questions for you, if that's okay, that I've, that I've come up with over the last uh, 40, 45 minutes or so. Uh, the first one here is you talked about, uh, what did you say, the 21 different hotel properties that you worked at. I talked about all the, all the uh, restaurants and just all the places you've been to. Uh, what hospitality venue is on your bucket list? Where have you not been that you'd like to get to someday? I love anything and everything gambling. So I'm a diehard slots and blackjack player. So I'm, I'm want to go, and this is a weird one, but I was at a hospitality sales and marketing association board meeting this week. And there was a guy there from Mohegan Sun 
and they now run a, a hotel in Vegas that they manage the casino, but the hotel is a curio collection, but it's run by Virgin Hotels. So I just want to go see it because I don't know what the experience is going to be like. Yeah. Am I really doing a Mohegan property? Am I doing a Hilton Curio or is it a Virgin? So not really a bucket list, but if there's slot machines and all, I'm, I'm like very distracted easily that I'll go play slots. <laughs> so <laughs> it's in Vegas and the name is very funny. You'll see it. It's very long. It says it, it's the former Hard Rock and it'll say Virgin Hotel curio collection mohegan it's very funny in the title so i want to go just for curiosity i did yeah. see that the last time i was in vegas and i was both intrigued and a little confused so i appreciate your Absolutely. clarification on it yeah all right second question is what are you going to make out of that cuban cookbook you know i don't cook i think um i think my spouse has cooked four times in the five years we've been married so we i'm just not a cooker by nature but i saw on the back something very easy which is cuban toast and i think i'm going to start with that because i can do that but it looks <laughs> super nice apparently the lady owns a restaurant here it looks like a nice book but how, how is that not love for someone to randomly take a certificate out of the blue send me a note in her book and say come eat with us we share the service that you love i mean come on it's it's what the world's about you know absolutely Absolutely. Well, you guys are great. You know, anybody wants to connect with me, I put my LinkedIn um, in your thing, in your uh, chat box. And this is my FAU email. You know, I'll always respond. And um, I hope, I hope you two will take the certificate and you can give me feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll take all that, that information that you just put in the chat and we'll put that in the, uh, the show notes uh, for everybody that's, uh, that's, um, uh, that's going to look at the show notes for the, for the podcast. And Peter, this has been a great episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the attraction pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release and even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.